Hello, good human, and welcome or welcome back to the Sunshine Project podcast. My name is Chloe. I am your host, and I hit a million followers on TikTok recently. Can you believe that? Because I can't believe it. I am bringing it up not to do a little flex, but because most of the new people who have joined me in that space joined me because of a video that I posted about how to turn one flower, one cosmos, into hundreds of thousands and more flowers, about how to harvest the seeds from a flower and grow something new. And what I realized from all of these lovely new people joining me there and from the millions of views that that video got and all of the comments is that people really want to know how they can bring elements of a lovely little farm life into their own lives. Maybe you would love to live on a farm. Maybe you can't think of anything worse than living on a farm. But in this week's series on the Sunshine Project, we are talking all things farm life. We are delving into what a hobby farm is and how we ended up on one. We are going to talk about all of the things that I love about farm life and some of the challenges that come with it as well. I'm going to share with you how I think you can emulate this sort of life if it's not one that you're living at the moment, or how you can get a taste of this sort of life if you are in the suburbs or the city. And we are also going to do a big bumper question and answer episode for episode two of this series. And you know I love your nosy questions. There's a question box in my Instagram stories on the Sunshine Project pod on Instagram right now, if you are listening within the 24 hours of this being released, I would love for you to go and find it, type out your nosiest question, and maybe I'll answer it on Wednesday. As always, we are starting the first episode of the week with a mindful moment, so let's do that now. Hello, my love. Thank you for meeting me here. Today, thank you for spending time with me, listening to this podcast. I hope that it's found you in a place of peace and serenity. But wherever it's found you, maybe it's a busy day, a mad day, a crazy week, a huge year. We're going to join with one another right now in a place that is calm and serene. And the thing that we're speaking about in today's mindful moment is the truth that you are not running out of time, that you have so much time. We start each mindful moment with some big, deep breaths just to reset our breathing. And as you do three big breaths in and hold and out today, I want you to repeat this mantra in your head. As you breathe in, I want you to say, I am not. As you hold, I want you to say, running slowly hold that breath and as you breathe out out of time let's straighten our spines give ourselves a little wiggle and we'll do it together ready breath in i am not hold 
running and breathe out, out of time. Again, and one more, I am not running out of time. I'm going to give you a moment to do a few more breaths if that's what you need to do until you feel that statement down to your bones. And while you do, let's talk about it because it can feel so desperately like we are running out of time in a world full of to-do lists and seeing what everyone else is up to and feeling snowed under by life. It can feel like we don't have time to do it all. We might never have time to do it all, but my love, you have so much time. You're going to look back in 20 years at yourself, the age that you are now, and you're going to think, God, you had so much time. And 20 years after that, you're going to look back at the age you were then, and you're going to think, God, you had so much time. And 20 years after that, the same thing. The minutes and the hours... The days, weeks, months, years are stretched out ahead of us like a never-ending desert. You have so many seconds. You have so much time. You are right where you need to be. You are not running out of time. It is abundant. It is stretching before you and it will greet you when it should, as it should. As an old friend, stop rushing. You are not running out of time. That mindful moment might have felt a little bit obscure when it comes to today's episode. But the thing is, I have heard a lot of people say, you know, I wanted to get married by the time I was 25. I wanted to have babies by the time I was 30. I wanted to live on a farm by the time I was 30 as well. That seems to be a common one. Things change. Timelines change, timelines shift. We are all running on a different timeline. And if you feel like you, you know, maybe you live on a farm at the moment, and I know firsthand that the to do list when you live on property is just a whole other beast. Maybe you feel like you're running out of time to live the life that you dream of, which might involve land or having a veggie garden that you meant to plant weeks or months ago, but you didn't, or, you know, any one of a million things. You've got time. It's not urgent. It's okay. So first, right off the top here, what do we live on? Do we live on a farm? Do we live on a cottage? Do we live on a property? Kind of all three, but the best way we can describe our situation. So we live on about five and a half acres of land in a 140-year-old cottage, and we have a number of farm animal-type pets. We've got two big fluffy highland cows, we've got two teeny tiny Nigerian dwarf goats, and we've got two dogs, two Australian working dogs, a Kelpie and a Kelpie cross blue healer, in case you're curious. Um, And between all of those things, I grow flowers, we grow veggies, we use our land to the best of our ability at the moment. Uh, And basically, yeah, it's it's a hobby farm. The difference between a hobby farm and a farm farm is defined by a number of people in a number of ways. The main thing I think about when I tell people that we live on a hobby farm is that we're not making money from our farm. We don't 
raise livestock to sell. We don't sell even flowers or veggies or anything like that. But I think like to start selling flowers in the next few years, but I would still consider it to be a hobby farm because we're small scale. We've got friends who work on stations on the other side of the country and they are on like hundreds of thousands of hectares on land. Five and a half acres is very manageable. We're not making a great deal of money. This isn't a business for us. I mean, sorry, we're not making any money. We're spending a lot of money. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. And it's funny, we've got some neighbours, two particular neighbours who live next door to us, and one of them is a very, very old Italian man. He would be, I reckon, in his mid-90s by now. And the other is, I reckon he's in his 70s and he's a Greek man. And the two of them are great friends. They've got a gate cut out between their two houses so they can go and visit one another anytime they'd like to. And one thing that they consistently agree on is that it is ridiculous that we have cows that are pets. I swear, every time I see either of these men, they say, oh, are you going to eat them this year? No, Mario, they're just pets. Does not believe it, doesn't understand it. And that's cultural. And it's also because they cannot fathom having a farm that would have anything on it that does not serve a purpose. But the purpose for us is friendship and is pets and is company. So yeah, that's that's a hobby farm. In terms of how we got here, there are a few different answers to this. If you want to know how we sort of physically ended up in this house, then you can go back and listen to the first episode in the home series, which was last year. I'll pop it in the show notes. But that series detailed how we bought our house, how we found our house, how we ended up here in this lovely old cottage of ours. There's another side to the story that I don't think I mentioned in that episode, but I will be speaking to in an upcoming episode on manifestation and setting your intentions and all sort of glorious, woo-woo, messy goodness that is there. So keep an ear out for that one. But I will say, just up the top, I did not grow up thinking that I would live on a farm at all. I grew up in... I don't even know if it's really the suburbs. I grew up in a little town originally called Beachport in the southeast of South Australia. There were 32 kids in my whole primary school from reception to year seven, the year that I left. Yeah, tiny little town. We then moved up to McLaren Vale, which you may have heard of, a beautiful wine region. And then we did live in the suburbs there. I did spend quite a bit of time on properties growing up. My grandparents lived on about 10 acres in McLaren Vale, overlooking McLaren Vale. And then my sweet husband Patrick and I moved into his parents' house when we were just 19, I believe. They moved from the suburbs to a farm and they have about 10 acres as well. And we just loved it. We just loved the space and the peace and the quiet and all of it. It still felt a million miles away from where we were for years. As you would have heard if you've listened to the home episode, we then moved into a little house in Morfitt Vale in South Australia, very much the suburbs, like centre of the suburbs, actually the largest suburb in South Australia, which I feel like I mentioned in that episode as well, because it feels like an interesting fact, I suppose. I hope that it is. But even then, really living on a farm wasn't the plan. 
And we started looking for a little bit of land when we wanted to find our forever home, but that wasn't for farm animals. That was still never the intention. We just wanted some space and some room so that Patrick could work on his business. He is a welder, a metal fabricator, an inventor. We wanted some space for him. We wanted some space to stretch out and, I don't know, be. Like if we were going to find somewhere forever, then we wanted somewhere that we could be in forever. And it wasn't until about six months into living here that Patrick started religiously sending me videos of Highland cows. We had our two dogs by this point. We'd had them for years. And even though their their breed is a farm dog breed, these are sleepy, lazy boys, very happy to spend their lives on the couch, especially Archie, our older, bigger dog. Patrick was sending me all these videos of Highland cows and I was like, oh, that's so cute. And he suggested that we get one or two. And I just thought it was absolutely mad. I'm like, what? (laughs) Sorry, what do you do with a cow? How does anyone look after a cow? I'll answer that question and more in our Q&A episode because I know that there will be questions about that. But yeah, so we actually, we had the dogs and then we got a couple of chooks and then we got the cows and then we got some ducks and then we got the goats recently as well. And as I mentioned, I grow flowers. I have been harvesting flower seeds this season and then growing some and I've been saving some. I have a a lovely little business idea, which I've actually set up an Instagram page for. It's under Sunshine Seed Supply. So go and have a little squeeze at that one if you're curious. But yeah, that's a hobby farm. It's just for fun. It's just living for fun. So that's where we're at, but wherever you are at right now, whether, as I said, you live on a farm at the moment or you live a million miles away, I've been having a think about, firstly, the things that I love about being here, and there are so many things I love about being here, and also the way that you can maybe emulate that if you would like to live the farm life or you see yourself in this space one day but you're not there yet. So this is, I suppose, a little ode to farm life and also how you can translate it for you. A really big thing I noticed when we moved onto the farm that I was not expecting is that all of a sudden the weather mattered. When we lived in the suburbs, the weather was something that just happened outside. On a hot day, we would shut all the doors and the windows and have the air conditioner running. On a cold day, we would shut all the doors and the windows and have the heater running. If it was windy outside, it was windy outside. It was a little bit noisy. If it was rainy outside, then hopefully the washing was off the line. But here, the way that the land looks and feels and is is so dependent on the weather. If it's a hot day or a hot stretch of days, the animals are thirsty, the grass is dry, there's this radiant, warm heat and glow off of everything. If it's a stretch of cold days, everything is sodden and muggy 
and muddy and splashy and glorious. If it's been really cold, then we lean into lighting our fire, our fire in the games room, and we soak up the warmth from that. We dry the clothes in front of the fire. If it's windy, we are keeping a very close eye on the hundreds of gum trees we've got on the property, but we also have the windows open and the doors open so that the wind flows through the house and cools the space down. I really notice the beautiful days now and I notice the terrible days and we notice when we flood and we notice when it's a day that's at a great fire risk. Yeah, I've just found that living here, living on the land and we live on Ghana land on the Fleurio Peninsula, a beautiful slice of the world, I notice the weather a lot more, which has been really interesting. And if you live on the land or you don't, may I recommend that it might enhance your life to lean into the weather? Not just, oh yeah, it was raining outside today, but to open the window for a breeze or to soak up the sun when it's out or to head to the beach or to, yeah, just just lean in. Another thing I love about farm life is the animals. Again, we'll go through this in the Q&A. The animals are also incredibly challenging. I don't think I've ever found anything as challenging as the animals that we have on our farm. And I will go into more detail on that because I know you love to hear stories about me spiraling mentally, and there are plenty of those. If you've got pets at home, you can spend time with them and become really close to them in the same way that I'm really close to our animals. I know it's like really novel to see a video of someone and her two ginormous, very fluffy cows on a TikTok feed or on an Instagram reel. But people ask me all the time, like how I get the cows to love me and trust me, how we're such good friends. Same with the goats, same with when we had chickens. The answer is spending time with them and feeding them. That's it. I've seen people selling courses on how to become close to your animals and how to get animals to trust you. And I'm telling you now, the answer is time and food. Time and food, time and food, time and food. If you have a dog or a rat or a cat or an axolotl, maybe that one might be a stretch, or a couple of backyard chickens, if you are spending time with them every day, and I know it's a luxury, but all of it's a luxury. Watching TV is a luxury. Scrolling on our phones is a luxury. If you carve out time to spend time with your animals, you will have a bond with them that is novel and interesting and glorious. And that's something you can do with your pets, whatever they are, whatever sort of land you have them on. One of the things I love the most about living on a hobby farm is growing things and this is new and I'm going to do a whole episode on this so I'm going to try and reel myself back a bit but I probably won't succeed because for years I was bad at growing things. I was bad at growing things. I can't grow things. Everything dies. I'd love to have a green thumb. I love the idea of being the sort of person who can tend to things and watch them bloom but I can't. I am useless at that. Those are things that I said and they were categorically untrue. I just couldn't be bothered figuring out how to do it. And anyone can do it in any size land. You can grow glorious cosmos flowers on your balcony or inside. Like you can do that now. You can grow things to eat, things to look at, things to marvel at, things to gift to people. Again, there'll be a whole episode on gardening, but I 
flippin' love growing things now. And there are a few recommendations I have if you would like to learn more about this before the gardening episode or you were hoping I would waffle on about it forever. Those recommendations are, there's a book called Future Steading by Jade Miles. Incredible book, inspiring. Maybe you don't have five or 10 or 30 acres to future stead on. Maybe it's a backyard thing for you, but goodness me, it's an inspiring book. Likewise, there's a book called The Practical Guide to Self-Sufficiency, which I highly recommend. And that tells you how you can be self-sufficient, grow your own food, do your own thing, whether you live on 200 square metres or 2,000 or 200,000. There's a creator called Connie Cow. She can be found under Connie and Luna on Instagram. I followed her for years. She used to do sort of lifestyle and flat lay and travel content back in the day, and now she does the most beautiful gardening content. She is a backyard gardener with a lovely big backyard and so many ideas that she so generously shares with her audience. So I really recommend looking her up. I really recommend The Diggers Club. My mum gave me this recommendation years ago when I said I wanted to grow things and she said you know it's a subscription you get the magazine and you can buy seeds from them and I was like that sounds like something they would have done in the 90s and that they don't do anymore they do it is wonderful they are deeply passionate about saving and spreading heirloom seeds about biodiversity in our food and our vegetables and the things that we grow and about the beauty that comes with growing things And lastly, if you're really interested in growing things, and maybe you even live in a city in an apartment, I really recommend finding your way to your local botanic garden. Because if you don't have the space and the lushness and the glory of a garden full of things that you've grown, then I really recommend finding a place that does. In our city in Adelaide, that's the Adelaide Botanic Gardens, but we've got like five or six botanic gardens, I think, in South Australia. There's probably one where you live. It might go by another name, but far out, Brussels Sprout, you're going to be inspired there. Go there and do some work or read a book or have a date or have a wander, please, because it is a little taste of, again, the lushness and the bloom of farm life. Also in Adelaide, there's the Handorf Farm Barn, where you can meet farm animals. There are lots of rescue farms around the place that you can probably visit that do it in a really nice, ethical way. There are lots of ways that you can get a taste for these things. If you would like more than just a taste, if you would like to figure out whether living on a property, on a farm is for you and you're not lucky enough to have a friend or a family member that you can go and camp out with for a while, then there are two things that I recommend. If you would like to try living on a farm for actually three things, because I've just had another pop into my head. If you would like to try living on a farm for a while, you could house it. Go on aussiehousesitters.com.au or join a house sitting Facebook group or something like that and see if there are any properties around your area that are on land that you could potentially house sit for. We would be looking for house sitters quite often if we didn't have Lucas and Rach living with us. Every time we go away, we need someone to take care of our animals and it could be a really good opportunity for you to go and spend a few weeks or a few months somewhere while the owners of the farm travel to see if you enjoy the responsibility and the lifestyle that comes with having a farm. 
Another option is renting a space. So that's like Lucas and Rach do at our place. Most farms in South Australia, at least, seem to have a few buildings on the property. So we've got our cottage and our bungalow. An auntie and uncle of mine have their house and then a sleep out, which is disconnected. I know quite a few people who have lived on farms. They've got, you know, a house, a cottage, a main building, a residence, a home. And then out the back, there's a granny flat, a bungalow, a sleep out, a standalone, a tiny house, a converted shed. Those spaces often go quite affordably in terms of rent. They are far enough away from the main house, usually, that it feels like you are neighbours rather than housemates with whoever owns and dwells in the house. And again, it's such a cool way to get a little taste of farm life. And the third way, I actually can't think of what this is called, but you can go and live on farms and you can be employed by the farm to help out. And I'm not talking about becoming a farmhand or a jackaroo or a jillaroo or whatever. I'm talking about going during peak season or planting season or whatever, harvesting season, living on a farm and working on the land, helping, sometimes volunteering, sometimes it's a paid position, having a space to live and work and play and really be immersed in that culture. I wish I could remember what they're called. They've got sort of a funny name. Woofers? I think they're called woofers. There's more information about that in one of the books I recommended earlier, Future Steading. Otherwise, I recommend looking it up. I'll find a link. I'll pop it in the show notes. That lets you really, truly experience farm life on a scale that I never have, to be frank, and see if it is for you. So with that, I will speak to you in two days for our Q&A. I love you. Good human. Thank you for being here from wherever you are, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. This podcast was recorded and edited on Ghana land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.